Hey, welcome to episode 57 of the Thodcast, conversations about animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke, coming in from northern Minnesota, and today I'm joined by my brother Dawson in southern Minnesota. Hey, Dawson, how's it going? It is going good. Hello, Philip. Are you feeling spooky? Someone does a great Adam Sandler impression. <laughs> I try. <laughs> what Adam, What vampire movie does Van Adam Sandler? Is Adam Sandler one of the 67 he, actors who's played Dracula? He's play, he plays Dracula in Hotel Transylvania. Oh, <laughs> of course. How could I forget an animated film, no less? The, the most famous of the Happy Madison franchises. We should was the most popular and been best by far. Probably quality wise, yeah. We should review the whole trilogy. I've only seen the first one. Uh, that will definitely be in our future. I yeah, I've only seen the first one. I don't know. They kind of look like trashy kitty. You know, I, they do. But I, I really liked the first one. The first one is good. I have seen it. I haven't seen the two, uh, you know, subsequent. But. Um, yeah, the, the third one sounds like kind of a cash in. The, the, they're going on like a summer cruise or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. What was it called? Hotel Transylvania oh. filler episode. The movie. <laughs> the squeakle, the road, road chip. Road uh, chip. That's, those are some movies that we'll probably never do unless we're oh, feeling. No, they're not, they don't even count. Like the main villain in the film we're going to discuss today, unless we're feeling somewhat masochistic uh probably avoid certain things on the show yes talking about animation sometimes we don't talk about films that are technically animated films but typically we keep it to things that are kind of blockbustery and innovative in <laughs> so i was trying to pronounce innovative in a fancy fashion it didn't come out quite as i had intended innovative um this film we're talking about today came up in a YouTube video that I saw from uh, a channel that I've become particularly fond of. Uh, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, Dawson. I don't know about you. Uh, it's my social media platform of choice. Um, yeah. I, I don't do almost any others really very much at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I do spend a lot of time more than more than i should but um also a lot of it is i'll just turn on a video basically like a podcast slide and i'm in my pocket while i'm working mm -hmm. um so and i'm familiar with the channel you recommended it to me actually the film that we're reviewing today you sent me the link to this particular youtube video mm -hmm. uh, and through this channel i've um become aware of some other animated films that i'd rather not have become aware of uh, so no. thank you um no. and i would no, <laughs> I was quite, with that meme. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was pretty hesitant. Even I, I didn't really want to watch. I felt like the animated these. I felt like the YouTube video was enough. It told me enough. I didn't know that I wanted to watch this whole thing, um, but you made me, uh, and I'm very glad I did. Mm -hmm. um, this one is innovative, the opposite of a blockbuster. Yes, very much so. Uh, and last week i mean i thought it was kind of an appropriate continuation from last week's episode we're kind of focusing a little bit on darker theme films kind of more spooky i don't know um and and this is an animated film uh this week of course um i know i think the last time it was just you and i Doss, we talked about tenant um but yeah 
the uh, the film is Rock and Rule from 1983. The film studio is Nelvana. Uh, it's the first English language animated film completely animated in Canada. You'll be familiar with Nelvana, of course, as the animators of everyone's favorite Star Wars holiday special segment where... Han Solo's face is <laughs> out of the YouTube put it melting off of his <laughs> making me crave pizza. Uh, oh my gosh. Um, Boba Fett rides a dinosaur. That's where we meet this animated studio, introduce Boba Fett oh, to the world. So we have so a lot to be thankful for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good voice. Uh, <laughs> dinosaur something. Um, but, you know, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind if they changed Boba Fett's voice back to not having the, the you know, Maori accent, you know, the the key accent yeah yeah he's a great actor i love him to death but um i i mean boba fett grows up separately from the other clones so if he developed his own cadence his own tone um and yeah his voice in the originals is is so bad obviously i love tamir morrison and and Django fett but yeah that's one one change that they're bringing him back for mandalorian season two though so for sure tamir uh, morrison as boba fett yeah, probably as Boba Fett. His agency has him listed as Boba Fett uh, <laughs> for what that's worth. Well, no one's ever really gone. <laughs> no, Whenever I mean... Not yeah. be really gone. Boba Fett is, is one that I... I like the idea of him getting out of there, getting out of that pit. I think George Lucas even references in the commentary to episode six that he's like, yeah, um, maybe... In a few years, I'll I'll add in a scene of of Boba Fett, you know, just crawling. He'll you'll see an arm reaching out of the the sarlacc, and in mean, Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to do that, George. That's okay. But we get it. We get the idea. Yeah. Like, yeah, bring him back in another property. I mean, he yeah. he fell down in that hole with who knows how many gadgets. If he still had the flamethrower on him, just cooks that thing from the inside. Yeah, which one? Maybe he's got a whole community of weak ways yeah. and stuff down there that he can help out that was one little critique i would offer to the mandalorian where he uh, he does have a flamethrower but in the video game star wars bounty hunter from 19 or 2002 you you aren't able to use the flamethrower unless you have the jetpack equipped because they're connected to the same fuel source isn't that a clever little like logical design yeah. that the game did put in a great little bit of game design but they didn't yeah. follow through on that with uh, with the mandalorian um, but you know, i it makes sense whatever he can have a flamethrower without a jetpack i mean the man yeah like right off the bat i mean i love the look of the mandalorian i think the cape i don't think i mean you know it's what's a full the point? cape yeah Boba like, Fett had a half the cape serving like, I, I know that capes are cool. And like, if someone wants to wear them, they can. It can be a status symbol as much as anything else. But I mean, usually capes were for keeping you warm or keeping off the weather. Mm-hmm. He's got all that armor. And we all, you know, know that capes can get you in, in trouble. Um, I mean, yeah. he makes he makes a guy get chopped in half by a closing door. That's exactly the sort of thing that you'd think his cape could do. Or it's just all the things it could get caught on. He'd definitely have to lose it if he gets a jetpack, which, hold on, did, the season ended with him getting one, right? Yeah. Okay, so. or Yeah, I, th- I think he keeps it. Um, I mean, we'll see how, how that comes into play, I guess, in season two. Um, he maybe just does what Boa Fett does and skirts it off to one side. Yeah. 
That'd be cool. Uh, but we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Sci fi. I feel like George Lucas has maybe seen this movie. One of the few. Rock and Roll. Oh, I'm sure. Um, yeah, this movie cost $8 million. Uh, we talked about Secret of Nim last week, which you have seen, Dawson, right? You didn't watch it, though. Long recently. time ago. Long time ago. I haven't seen it recently, so I, I can't provide did, any. Did you watch it when, like, Whitney, uh, you know, our older sister, she read the book to you and I, correct? Yes. Wow. I do. Um, Holy cow. That happened. Yeah. I forgot about that. Do you remember watching entirely? Yeah. I think that's when we watched it. Mm -hmm. It was, I think we were in, we, there was a big Miss Frisbee stage. I mean, we watched, there was a sequel that we watched too. That wasn't as good if I recall, but (laughs) not exactly, but um, no, the, the original is a classic Uh, Don Bluth's first feature film as a director uh, and arguably his best. Um, so, yeah, that's the year prior to Rock and Rule, and from the same distributor as well, MGM United Artist, art, Artists. And, uh, yeah, they kind of were going through some tough financial t- uh, times in the early 80s. And so they kind of botched the rollout of various films, especially animated films like these, which kind of are are tricky ordeals like this was clearly a very ambitious project but um probably not the easiest thing to market uh and to try try to promote to audiences i mean well well what what is rock and roll philip (laughs) and why was it hard why did mgm muck it up well it's yeah it's an animated film that's targeted to older audiences to adults because it plays on themes of rock and roll it's it's a musical uh featuring the talents it's a rock of, opera yeah it's a it's a rock opera exactly um featuring debbie harry from blondie uh cheap trick uh was it robin zander is the singer uh iggy pop lou reed plays the part of the main villain in his singing performances um yeah it's just got a ton of talent associated with earth, it and fire earth wind and fire um so you know it, it was an unusual attempt at trying to reach older audiences with a completely original animated story and uh, kind of in the style of like Ralph Bakshi animation or, or like Fritz the Cat or something like that. But even <laughs> not quite as like R-rated because this, this movie- This got is not PG. R-rated. This no. is very PG-13. I mean, in back in the day, it probably would have gotten a PG rating. I mean, there's no F words or anything. There's, there's not a whole lot of hard swearing. And there's some uh, innuendo and some, you know, like- suggestive outfits that a couple characters wear but no overt like there's no nudity or overt sexuality really um yeah yeah which i i really love about it because it's it's fairly it's surprisingly accessible for a a film that you'd call dark and tailored toward audiences it's not super cynical it has actual heart to it it has like the spirit of traditional animation and that's kind of targeted to a, a family audience but just aged up a little bit and kind of just more punk rock. Very, yeah, very punk rock. I, I mean, I would compare it 
to something like Jack and Daxter, or the video games. I thought uh, of that too. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, well, uh, which I love that aesthetic. It's just like, put that heroin in my face. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I think that, what is it? Do you see him s- snorting heroin in this movie? Mock, there was a scene where he like actually, which is, you would never oh, get a PG he rating. Smoking. He was smoking something that made him goofy. I don't remember snorting anything. I, there's a scene on his airship. And there are different cuts of this film. Uh, so different things might end up in oh, different versions. Well, um, I, I missed snorting. I, I saw smoking <laughs> and then um, then they handle... Well, because I thought a way that like you know made this film not... Or a way that it could have been more hard art, but that they like did something more creative was that when they really wanted to drug up the main characters uh, instead of giving them some like hard drug or whatever, mm-hmm. they throw this electric ball at them <laughs> that they hold in their hands and it Edison. just mesmerizes them. Edison ball. Yeah. Yeah, mesmer kind of technology. It's the, yeah, the, and so it's like watching super highly addictive television. And then there's a little scene that goes on too long. There are a couple scenes that go on too long. Yeah. Where it shows you what they're watching, and it's just it's so much trippy, like visual effects mixed in with the animation, like old school computer generated imagery that's mm. bright and flashy. Well, but it's also muted and dull because the whole film is muted and dull and kind of yeah, yeah, grimy. Everything's really grimy, but then also it's it's cyberpunk. It's a, Cyber. it's a yeah, really I'm looking for that term. Yeah, excellent. It's a I mean a perfect perfectly captures a cyberpunk aesthetic. Um, while also being sparse because there aren't like a whole lot of crowd shots you don't see except for when they're in the nightclub like there's lots of shots of the city Um, a lot of things are just like so dark or so black that you don't make out a lot of distinct features but sometimes they're on a road and there's no one else on the road or there's like you know one cop in the streets but otherwise no one else is in the street there's not a whole lot of background noise not a whole lot of crowds you know filling the spaces but you do still see a lot that indicates it well it's a post it's a post literally post-apocalypse world um of mutant mutant animals that have Mm -hmm. evolved but then there's a confusing point where so the the opening credits say that mutants have evolved out of dogs and rats and cats and and such Mm -hmm. and then there's a scene where they're trying to get into the nightclub where the guard is like fighting off what cindy calls mutants and so it's like we can't let them in they ruin everything so I <laughs> wasn't. They so dress bad. <laughs> they're badly dressed. Yeah. So, so that almost lampshades the fact that they're like they're all mutants. These are just the particularly reject mutants particularly <laughs> that they're fighting off. Mutant, like mutants. The the like what's her face? <laughs> the proto Zamwazelle. That's why I thought oh, maybe or literally something. yeah her name is what's her face. Well, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah yeah. The, the changeling character. She's a she, nasty corpse-looking creature who wears other who wears faces. Yeah, she's Arya Stark. She can imitate the the voices too. Uh, and we didn't. I don't think we even mentioned Saber Spark, that YouTube channel that showed us. You know, to which um, you know we owe the the gratitude for introducing things like uh, heavy metal or no uh, <laughs> rock and roll uh, to us. So. Um, yeah, I, I know I made reference to that one little meme that's come about in some of his films from that really awful, like, um, Joshua and Jericho video or that, uh, yeah, that animated film that he reviewed, um, 
but um, yeah, I don't think uh, we actually said the name of the channel. So, oh. got to. Did we? I forgot what it was called. No, so I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. Saber Spark. Um, so he he reviews obscure Sorry, animation. Man, there you go. <laughs> but uh, also, um, it, YouTube is sort of probably the best place to go to to find rock and rule. Um, That's where I watched it. Yeah, and I think it's the original Canadian version, right? Or no, um, it's the one that because the original Canadian version is the one that like has a scene where a character who maybe dies kind of comes back to life. And that's not the version I saw. So he didn't come back to life. I mean, that's in, no, that's the best way. It doesn't make sense if he actually comes back to life. I don't think it totally. No. The... Right. But talk about a moment that got me. Yeah. I, I was not expecting any moment in this film to get me because the whole thing is just such a disjointed trip um but then yeah that was i i feel like yeah this movie is very effective it um accomplishes a lot it's it's very ambitious and it you can really see the the quality on display for much of the film but then there are other places where you can see they definitely had to rush to get things done and things don't cohere very well what what do you think were the uh, were the major failures of of the film then um i i think yeah eventually the writing was on the wall that they just weren't going to get proper distribution for this film um i don't know just all kinds of weird politics i think with mgm united artists uh and ultimately this, this movie never got a wide release in the u.s and it ultimately only grossed uh, a little over thirty thousand dollars at the box office. Eight million dollar budget too. Yeah, yeah. That's not a lot of money to make a movie, and then they still. I mean, it completely. T- There's way too much effort put into this film for them to have thought from the beginning that no one was going to give a crap about it. Well, like, I, I think if it could have uh, become successful, I mean, maybe not. You know, I, it could have at least probably made its money back. Uh, but then, but not the way it is. Like they would have had to um, invest, I don't know, a, a couple more, you know, M's. <laughs> it, it, they maybe would have had to push the budget up to nine or $10 million to get this movie yeah. where, where it needed to be in order to be, um, you know, marketable. It was really, it was, I mean, the movie opened tonally perfectly. I like, it was captivating i loved the opening crawl and the heavy synth or opening and the ominous dark tower and the lightning strikes it and the camera pans down and it's like quick and it's snappy and it's Mm -hmm. epic and everything and then it like then the moment characters started talking i was like oh yuck um because i the sound mixing for the voiceovers is kind of bad and omar in particular is pretty bad uh, he's who's, yeah. he's the hero supposedly of the film, and in another way, I, I think you know the film fails ish is that he's a terrible hero. <laughs> yeah, the dialogue is kind of stilted in in the way it's mixed, especially because yeah, and when they go from talking to singing, it's like now there's this rock music track that like is not integrated into the into the dialogue or the world of the of the story very well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I love, but the, but that's one of the best part of the film by far is the, is the music and that well the animation itself is amazing and the music is amazing mm-hmm. so that's all working brilliantly um, but just uh just uh, disjointed I I've already used that word but it applies 
yeah. compared to the dialogue and, and other things. So it says here, prior to its completion, Rock and Rule was picked up by Hollywood film studio MGM UA in April 1982, but they did not care about the animated feature. And they gave it only an extremely small limited release. Um, it, probably due to some themes having a, or some scenes having adult themes like sexuality and profanity. Um, but, and they, they also did a pretty poor job with Secret of Nim the year prior. So, I mean, this, this wasn't a very, uh, the, the studio did have some hits, but I mean, they were more conventional like live action films, um, but ultimately they've had lots of um, financial troubles throughout the history. And MGM is now a brand that's, uh, I don't know who owns it. Uh, I don't think it's part of any of the major six studios, as far as I know. Um, but some kind of equity is, is now in charge of that brand. Um, and you still see that that label, you know, the um, logo pop up from time yeah. to time. It's like, I mean, it's, it's the classic studio. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this, this didn't have the lion roaring before it, did it? I think it just had it. No. UA. And I think the, yeah, the YouTube version you watched might have not even had the, the studio logo. I think it just said like Dratco or Dratsco because this movie was originally under the working title Drats <laughs> as in mm. like rats, but um, they're mutants, I guess. Yeah, I, it's, um, it began production in 1979. A lot of, just high quality animation special effects using photographic techniques and some computer graphics um you know made it into the, the film and uh yeah it's it's pretty fun to watch if you are willing to forgive some of the you know the moments where the film does kind of teeter on the edge a little bit um yeah i don't know i've never seen the movie heavy metal uh, which sounds like a similarly themed film. It's, it, that was released in 1981. Also Canadian American, uh, I guess, because the IMDb trivia has the little factoid about uh, rock and roll being the first fully animated in Canada film, heavy metal must have been partially completed in the United States, I'm assuming. Um, but then that film is a um, anthology. Uh, it's not just one solid narrative throughout, um, and and it's darker. It's got it's got kind of a hard R, I think. Directed by Gerald Potterton, produced by Ivan Reitman. Uh, Heavy metal. This is like medieval fantasy stuff. Okay, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a chick <laughs> with a sword who looks like well, she's it's straight off the cover of Elder Scrolls Arena. I think it's still rock and roll themed, right? It's animated sci-fi fantasy. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's rock and roll themed, but yeah, yeah there's NSE elements for sure. John Candy. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of different stuff, I think, going on in this movie, which I've, <laughs> I've never seen. I'll have to check it out. Um, we were talking about some of the, the finer aspects of rock and roll, which... Um, we didn't a movie i didn't know existed until very recently and uh let's see the the voice acting um we you can you know it was kind of awkward but like 
there are two different versions of the main characters voice uh do you remember which one because in one he's voiced by paul lamatt who was a fairly popular actor back in the 70s he was the star of uh american graffiti no way yeah um i watched the paul lamatt version okay because um i i was watching so there is a version that's on amazon prime video streaming um that's how i watched secret of nim and i was like yeah i'll i'll watch it here because this is presumably kind of the official cut but it was kind of a bad like vhs rip practically oh. it was uh four by three frame i still watched it because i'd seen i'd already seen a version on youtube that was high def widescreen um but even that like had moments where it cut into poor quality footage and just some weird editing so i thought maybe that wasn't you know the the best version <laughs> out there um but yeah the the amazon version was i i thought uh pretty coherent i, I thought it held together pretty well um and that was for sure paul lamatt and you can tell it's him. He's got kind of a mopier voice. Uh, Saber Spark got the two voice actors confused in his review, mm -hmm. uh, thinking that kind of the more you know New York, you know, sort of more polished voice was Paul Lamatt, um, and and that he was the one that they put in the American mix, um, and then comes the the more, the more mopey sounding voice, which is Paul Lamatt, was the original. Canadian version because he kind of has that kind of you know uh, Canadian. I don't know if I can really do a Canadian accent right now. Yeah, you, you know, uh, you try to sound like um, uh, <laughs> Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, or well, Rick, Rick Moranis. You know, just just oh, think of yeah, oh, Ricky. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, 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 yeah. But that yeah, they they wanted someone who who had that sort of vibe um for the american release because they thought that omar just was too much of a jerk and unsympathetic with his like brash brusque you know new york accent yeah he was a dumb meanie though pretty much the whole time um and i get what they were going for like in the behind the scenes feature from when they were making the movie they admitted they're like yeah, this main character, he's uh, he's kind of a jerk. He, he's like, a, you know, a punk kid. He is just uh, aloof. He doesn't care. He acts like he doesn't care about anything. But, you know, what he really does yeah. care about, like, it, it finally comes out when it matters. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a, the, it's like, it's too late when it happens. It's not a very satisfying character arc mm -hmm. for him. He's um, not very developed. Uh, they They make the point in that documentary, which fairly comprehensive little uh, behind the scenes documentary for a, a movie like i mean they, they spent three years making it so yeah well you I, sense yeah. a lot of enthusiasm <laughs> yeah. when you watch that documentary like they're they're talking very passionately about the product a project and and so like the the dj of the no the the voice the voiceover of the documentary is like this is an ambitious animated film project unprecedented and like it's like wow you You'd think it was a big deal. Well, um, th th that's the way Hollywood is, though. Like, sometimes you're working for five years on a movie and it's stuck in development hell. 
uh and then like you eventually it eventually goes into production and you get it made it's sitting in the can and then it's like it either gets dumped or never released sometimes even or they come in and totally reshoot it and like completed movies are are there out there that i've never seen well (laughs) the snyder cut for example i mean just look (laughs) at that (laughs) yeah well so much that's that's an incredible thing (laughs) yeah well there's this movie um with freaking daisy ridley and um the hamlin one spider-man no Uh, no uh what's his name tom holland are in a movie together um what yeah and it's been like stuck on the shelf um and there's questions about whether it needed reshoots because I, I think just the studio was um, unsatisfied with the, the finished product. Really? But I think it's just going to get sort of a streaming release or something. Do you know what kind of film it is? It's a sci-fi post-apocalyptic. It seems kind of like Maze Runner or something. Uh, Chaos Walking is the name of the film. And then just weird. Never heard of it. That's so, crazy. I think it's like a YA novel or something. Oh. Um, yeah, Chaos, or the unreleasable Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland movie based on 2008 novel. Um, yeah, so it had a budget of $100 million distributed by Lionsgate. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, I'm, I mean, I'm totally interested. I mean, I'll see anything that those two are in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what be could another. possibly be? I mean, they they mortal engines they type put of put out such bad movies all the time. What could possibly be holding them up? Like, is it too good? Do they need to make it worse before they throw it out there, or or is it yeah. truly so bad? That yeah. They're like, ah. well, yeah, this the sort of thing kind of happened to Mortal Engines, and that movie got a pretty mediocre reception. Um, and even like those, um, uh, gosh, the divergent series of films, <laughs> like those never even finished. Um, Did they not? I, I don't I think, think so. so. I never heard of, I like never saw anything about them past the first one, which I saw in theaters and it was fun, as yeah. good as you could hope a movie like that could be. I, I think but, uh, Maze Runner skated through on the skin of its teeth. Like they, they oh yeah, they finished that up. Three films, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, even Dune, like they're remaking Dune, but the original... They, They've been trying to. I've been seeing little pictures of that for so long, mm-hmm. but no real trailer, right? And no like release date. Um, I it was gonna come out at the end of this year, I believe, but um, th- everything's getting pushed. It's uh, next year, I believe, and then. Oh it, yeah. It, I think it's they filmed simul- simultaneously. Um two parts to be released in subsequent years uh so let's see yeah currently dune is scheduled 2021 film um but it's being split into two parts mm-hmm. i do believe uh directed by denis villeneuve so hopefully that does well it sounds exciting a very in-depth uh science fiction world that they're trying to create 
I don't know too much about the mythology, um, but apparently the original David, um, help, help me out here, <laughs> da- uh, David, uh, Twin, Twin Peaks guy. Finn, David uh, Lynch? Yeah, David Lynch. Gotcha. What about him? Uh, he directed the original Dune. Yes. And uh, it just, people hated it because it was trying to fit too much lore into one you know, incoherent story. Yeah, so it, it's it's a cult hit now. Mm-hmm. I, there are people who do really like it, um, but it's not mm-hmm. popular by any means. It seems like. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it, and apparently, it's just it's kind of um, difficult to uh, to really make sense of it. Yeah, well, David, he never wanted to make it. Yeah, really. I, I not. I don't think. From the beginning, you know, George Lucas asked him, asked David Lynch to direct Return of the Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah, he turned that down to do Dune. Oh, I really that's so interesting (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I thought he had already done Dune and didn't want to do anything like that again, and that's why he turned it down. Yeah, Richard Marquand is the credited director on Return of the Jedi, but George Lucas did have a lot of directorial i think uh influence on return of the jedi much more so than uh empire strikes back and and that was kind of the plan from the start so i I think david lynch didn't want that kind of oversight which is why partly why he turned down the film a fun team lynch and lucas but we should talk about rock and roll Unless we're, we've talked about everything we to talk about. <laughs> no. Um, oh, definitely... and I need to say, you mentioned that heavy metal was an anthology, and I spaced on like, what do you mean? I didn't like think about what you meant by that. Now, yes, it's yeah. it's a movie. It's a movie with several short stories inside mm-hmm. of it, which I hate. By the way, mm-hmm. I've never seen an anthology I liked. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll, I there was a Halo animated film, and I was like, oh my gosh, I clicked on it, and then it was like all these short stories. Stupid. Hated yeah, it's it. not a power, a popular thing nowadays. It used to be more of a thing back in the 70s and 80s. And now all that stuff is just kind of relegated to the streaming space. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could name something like that, that I've really loved in, in recent times. Um, yeah, the uh, so rock and roll follows uh, this rock band. Do they have a name? Uh, I don't remember if they Yeah. Did. It's uh so Omar, Angel, uh Dizzy and um Stretch. Yeah. Sorry, you know, we we've, we've gotten on such uh long tangents here. We uh we don't want to get too winded. Um but like it you know, they're this band that they live in hometown. Um hometown is I guess not like a huge it, it seems like it's maybe in like a California West Coast environment, and then like they travel cross country event later in the film to New York, which is clearly New York. Hometown <laughs> is apparently big enough thing. to have more power than New York. It, well, well, half this movie yeah. really. <laughs> they, we need to go to New York where it has enough power to summon my demon. They go to New York. There's not enough power to summon your demon, but there is back in hometown. Oh, so they go back to hometown. It's like they waste yeah. so much time for no reason. It, yeah, it's kind of a meandering plot 
in some respect. I, I mean, it's good well, to have... super meandering, but you just <laughs> you're just mesmerized by what's happening. So yeah. it's like I just watched the uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, 1992. And it's like this film is all over the place and it's too long. But I just l- like how it feels and I like what I'm seeing. Um, mm-hmm. This no. film to me felt like going into the electric fetus or like an even grungier music store. Okay. It's a, it, it feels grungy. It feels gross. It smells like smoke. Everything looks old. The posters are melting off the walls and the walls are cracked. And mm-hmm. it, it just it like smells like smoke or weed or, or something. And it's just dirty and grimy, but it feels nostalgic. And then you go in and, and you buy the record that you really want, which is full of glorious music. So it's like mm-hmm. you, you endure and experience this, grimy atmosphere and there's there's this diamond in in the rough of it yeah and it's it's not you know like i said it's not cynical it's, it doesn't take shots at like disney or more family oriented fair uh, because it's building on that tradition you know they use multi-plane photography uh, much like the early disney animated films but they they're able to do it more cheaply here using computers um you know it's just you know the musical tradition of animation is something that this film celebrates um and yeah some of the characters are kind of that traditional you know operatic um you know larger than life like uh you know the villain especially you know he's he's very similar to like you know Jafar. You know what what Jafar would become, yes. or some some other similar, you know Hades. Super exaggerated, full of himself, mm-hmm. arrogant, evil. This movie almost kind of presages the Disney musical Renaissance, um, and uh, unfortunately, just didn't have the kind of cultural cachet that those films would. But um, I, I don't. It seems more. Uh, reminiscent of the the Disney films from the 90s, which had just this um, incredible m- musical caliber uh, about them than it does to the, the Disney films of the time when this film came out. This film looks and feels so much like a product of its time. It is a product mm-hmm. of its time that I think if you if you showed it to someone who didn't know anything and you're like this was a hugely popular 80s animated film they'd be like of course because (laughs) everything that i know about the 80s or that i'm told is what the 80s was like is captured in this film this film almost feels like like a kung fury or something something that was made today to cash in on 80s nostalgia it was like oh we're gonna make the most 80s animated cartoon we can think of um that's how 80s it is that's how metal or rock and roll uh it is and you know yeah everything um it's so nostalgic um it's but, just unfortunate because i don't know how well uh, m- your typical audience you know who isn't seeking out this type of thing is going to respond to this because it just certain things about the editing just really yeah. kind of are, are are pretty rough I was and like I was a little uncomfortable, not in a bad way, but just mm-hmm. the whole time watching the film, I just was like, mm. like it, it, it kind of stressful to watch, kind of because um, so you felt, see the potential. You see the potential the whole time. You're like, oh man, potential, potential, potential. Like, mm-hmm. 
And, and then, but it, you're still, you feel like you're, you've been inside that record store too long and like you're, you're flipping through racks yeah. of, of vinyls. And then you find two that are stuck together with like gum and you're like, Oh yeah. Like, Speaking <laughs> of gum, uh, gumption, you know, this movie has just a ton of like promise and it's, it's really trying and you're rooting for it. And I think that's part of the appeal and the charm for me, especially it, it really is. It just feels kind of like you're finding a diamond. In yes. Rough. Well, like at the end of the movie, the heroic moment when, when Angel finally takes her stand and she's just mm-hmm. like, I'm going to fight this monster. I, I was just so, it was such so triumphant because oh. the movie got to the end. Like the, I felt like the movie won. The movie <laughs> was, the movie was fighting the battle the whole time to get to this point and it did it. And I was so happy for it. <laughs> you you completed the you three-year <laughs> yes. production cycle of rock and roll no one completely gave up on you like yeah. i i was ex- i was expecting at any point in the movie for it to just cut and be like we don't have any more like the the show was canceled after the rush after sputnik like yeah. uh, but what, what movie does that is it airplane or or Top Secret, one of those. Oh, Air Force, like uh, for budget Duffer reasons, Brothers movies. We... Well, there's some movie that it it looks like the real just you know falls out of the the projector um, during the film, and then like there's a, a fourth wall. Oh, um, am, am I thinking of I don't Monty think Python? Is Monty it Monty Python? Python? Probably. Probably. Yeah, well, and and the Holy Grail, the, the Holy Grail has, has, well, the Holy Grail ends with the 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 cast getting arrested, arrested. by the police for and, a, assaulting a film crew at a castle. And then does that cut to the real unspooling or what? Is that, is, does there's it do some, that? I there's can't. some movie that does that. Sorry, my brain. I was up late last night carving my mushu pumpkin. <laughs> it looks great, by the way. <laughs> oh man, I'm I'm a little rusty. I, you know, carving a pumpkin, I feel like is sort of similar in process to like painting, you know, drawing and painting a cell of animation. You it's know, a except, work of art, like anything. <laughs> except and, the but, cell of animation, you have to do like approximately two hundred thousand times <laughs> in order to have a completed film. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, how did how did people animate? How were there enough people in the world who, who uh, had what it took yeah. to complete an animated film? I mean, watching the behind the scenes of this one, it's so freaking yeah. funny and interesting that this punk rock, edgy rock and roll, like it's all about cool people, like being cool. You know, the movie has this flair, but everyone making the movie is like the most awkward person. I mean, just... <laughs> pale and gaunt and like nerdy and weird beards and you know just but like a brilliant people who i mean because you know a, a character like omar would never have an ounce of patience required to make an animated film um mm-hmm. but all these all these really int- fascinating and smart people determined patient people mm-hmm. do um yeah. And uh, uh, well, it's it's just such a collaborative process, and it takes years. And yeah, I knew it was between a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Um, but uh, you know, I I just multiplied twenty four frames times sixty seconds times ninety minutes, and that comes to hundred twenty nine thousand six hundred. So, right around there. Yeah, 
Um, <laughs> but like, it, and if you don't have that production pipeline built in, like Disney or Pixar, you know, nowadays there's more and more. And, and with computer animation, it's different because, you know, you can have assets ready to go and there's a lot that gets done in simulations. So, so animation as a whole, you know, has a lot more going for it with technology. But yeah, back then, especially, it was, it was just tough. And even Disney was going through a really dark time because it, unless you really had that momentum behind you, it was just so hard to get anything like this really off the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a comment that was really cool um, on the behind the scenes where someone was like, my gosh, they they were animating this with brushes in their hands. And I feel like I feel so small compared to that because I'm so used to hitting control Z. Um, like, wow. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think digital computer animators are geniuses and patient and, yeah. and everything. And it's amazing in its own right. Um, but yeah, moving from, it's like, yeah, I don't know that, that have that tactile hands-on work that animation used to be is different. Yeah. I don't know. Can you think of any other properties that are anthropomorphic, you know, very humanoid characters that in a cyberpunk environment, you know, post-apocalypse or, or, I mean, I, I guess cyberpunk's probably apt enough a description, but like aimed at sort of adults, but also has a crossover appeal to like kids. Um, is there anything like that that's like super successful? I mean, Avatar, I, super know. successful. I, I, I like the blue Avatar because Last Starbender is not cyberpunk, so no. But yeah, the and blue it's not anthropo anthropo blue Avatar. You know, the Navi are kind of anthropomorphic, like cat creatures that look like humans. I have a hot take. I don't think you can do. I don't think you can do anthropomorphic, animated, and serious all at the same time yeah um i think that's a triangle that you have to kind of pick and choose um because there's lots of anthropomorphic movies that are successful but they're the light-hearted fun ones that children love because they love seeing animals walk and talk and um you know th this the animation style of these characters really re reminded me of the goofy movies um, oh gosh yeah uh very much so like the goofy movies because uh, angel's hot and roxanne is hot and they're it's the yeah folk. So like Mickey's, <laughs> Mickey's Tooniverse, essentially. Yeah, um, like Dizzy and Stretch looked straight out of that world um, mm -hmm. and animated very similarly. And um, yeah. and there are and, like non-anthropomorphic creatures in this world too. You see dogs and rats and stuff. So yeah. it's kind of the Pluto effect. And I don't know, like, because when you've got anthropomorphic, when you've got these like half animal, half people, and in a, if they're doing really adult things, you know, or... I, like what adult wants to admit that they're into that? Like, I don't know. I, I, from the very little I know about like Fritz the cat or some of these other things, it's like, why make this? Why even make that? Like, and, and who's gonna, who's gonna really watch it? And like, who's gonna recommend it to everyone? How is, how is there going to yeah. be word of mouth um, about some of these, you know, films? Um, yeah. I don't know. Anthro anthropomorphism. Yeah. Anthropomorphism. Yeah, the furry community. No. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a very difficult thing to make adult, I think, because I don't think it has wide adult appeal in the same way that other things do. Titan AE yeah. was not super successful, I'm sure. 
uh-huh. as I remember. And that was, that's probably the closest thing that I can think of to matching your criteria, which was mm-hmm. adult oriented, but also kids would like and anthropomorphic. Yeah. Yes. Treasure Planet and um, oh, Atlantis were close companions to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Treasure wow. Planet is awesome. Atlantis. Uh, the uh, Anne Marie Bardwell, the animating supervisor for Angel in this film. Mm. Do you know who else she's worked on? Who? Or who else she supervised? Um, Audrey from uh, Atlantis and pick a oh. Disney princess who's not actually a Disney princess. Not El- Ellen Wee, Elon Wee. Esmeralda. Esmeralda. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? See, and this is why. Anne Marie Bardwell, you're incredible. Yeah. No, they, they have incredible talent on this. And I need to. Get in the habit of digging deeper into these. I, I never dig deep, Philip. You're always the dig, the dig deeper. <laughs> and I just happened to see a comment where someone pointed that out. And then I okay. cross-referenced it and made sure. I didn't look up other animators for, well, I don't care who animated Omar. Um, they, and they were, you know, they, Anne-Marie Bardwell was in the behind the scenes. They show her, you know, uh, this young and just ambitious yeah. animator gal. Awesome. Yeah. And Omar, Omar's kind of sucked compared to Angel in a lot of ways. His eyes, he was doing the drifty eye thing like mm-hmm. a lot, it seemed like. Um, so Angel is, in my opinion, the, main the, the most, well, um, that Sorry. too probably, but, but, but probably the most appealingly draw, drawn uh, 2d animated character uh, i've seen apart hands from... down everyone else is either goofy or a nightmare and... well in all of 2d animation oh and uh, oh my with the possible the possible exception of esmeralda also uh <laughs> supervised by the same animator i mean so. yeah like you can't you can't <laughs> well I don't know what your what your criteria of appeal is because I appeal is a very broad term, but like yeah, yeah, Esmeralda is clearly this like the person who made Angel was given the tools and the time to um, bring that idea to its fulfillment to it. You yeah, know, like, I don't mean just like sexy or you know. No, right. I want to screw this character. <laughs> no, I uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete that, <laughs> Danny no. Uh No, I know, no, I actually, no. When you, well, yeah, when it's not, you're, you're not saying she's the hottest animated character ever. Well, you're saying I, appeal, and well, and okay, well, I don't know. Hard to say. And two D, two D, and I don't know who would be my like number one pick as a crush. I mean, Angel's up there. I, I just haven't. The Road to El Dorado girl. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. But because uh, like, Esmeralda would have been in my top five. Yes. For sure. Especially um, among the Disney. Esmeralda is, is just wonderful and mm-hmm. in every aspect. Um, yeah. I mean, but Angel, this, as far yeah. as being like an anthropomorphic a- a- character, mm-hmm. Angel is, yeah. Um, I mean, she's yeah, the the perfection of that uh, idea. Just the there's so much um, intention, the way that she's drawn and and moves, and and like the her uh, expressions are just meant to convey so much, like the the angelic qualities, I guess, to put it, you know, very and very human, very very subtle and nuanced and uh, relatable and identifiable and and i loved in the in the behind the scenes when uh she talks about you know her inspiration and how she watched a lot of female artists and vocalists and what they would do on stage in their performances and and just drew that 
Um, and you and you see that in the film. It's like this isn't crazy, zany, hyper exaggerated animation. It's mm-hmm. like it's almost um, it almost looks. What's the word um, that like rotoscope. the, the rotoscope? Yeah. which like the, the Lord of the Rings animated film is, is insane because you've got these animated characters moving exactly like a human being would. And that's because live action performances yeah. were just drawn right over. Yeah. I, and I think for films like this that have realistic kind of human looking characters, they use a lot of references, not necessarily full on rotoscoping, but they're, they are, I think probably referring to, like video of actors playing out certain um, actions. Uh, not, probably not all the time, because I'm guessing, you know, professional animators, um, they, they're used, they know the, the routines. Um, but I think you can tell, especially in like Anastasia, which we watched recently, like that, the way is some of those human characters move, it just looks too real for it yes. to be you know just fully um intuited by the artists cool world the dancing in cool world looks better than any dancing a real human being can do so i don't know mm. how they did that i don't i hope you don't know anything about cool world i wish i didn't but <laughs> uh um, that, the yeah. saber spark did a, a cool world video it's it's the okay. uh, adult who framed roger rabbit oh okay yeah have to There's check brad that pitt <laughs> oh yeah 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 that's right yeah i've seen some uh, incredibly you know. fluid animation in some parts of that film and then in the rest just not good but no so, so yeah this this movie it just it plays on the nostalgic strings I, I love you know classic 80s rock you know 70s and 80s uh, you know heavy metal aesthetic it's just yeah it's um the kind of music that really gets my my blood going it's rock and roll and Tron, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like when 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 Mock is and the villain is in all darkness in his car, but you see the like the purplish violet, you know, tint of his sunglasses, and then it it that transitions it's into the hologram thing, the sharp edged uh, rear lights of a of the hover. Car oh, I love that. Forward. That's so like Tron and so cyberpunk and so dope and yeah. so eighties. It just makes you crazy. His eyes become the tail lights. Yeah, the tail lights. That's what I'm just a little dumb. Um, but um. yeah, like there, there's not. There's a a few ways in which they kind of make the most of some of the character designs. Like all of Mock's henchmen look pretty much the same. Three brothers, kind of clone, but there are a few distinguishing features to tell them apart. Uh, toad sleazy and zip um zip is kind of the most sympathetic and toad is the the smart one but he's also the meanest Uh, he's the the chauffeur and like the the pilot he's the one that rebels in the end though right yeah 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 no spoilers yeah we don't have to totally spoil um but um yeah, this, there's some effective drama at the end. And I don't know, it's like you have that final confrontation at the end and, it, you know, they they win with the power of song, song and, and heart. And heart. But it's like, uh, it's you know, where, 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 where are we getting the amplifi- amplification from, guys? Like, are, are these characters mic'd or, or what's the deal? You know, the crowd <laughs> seems to be able to hear everything that's going on, but... 
Is it just the, the magic of the voices that... Uh... Well, it's, it's it totally just... It's so egregious and absurd. And, and it, it drops it off... It, it, and it just makes that... It unmasks itself when they... they with the power of song and heart, they defeat, they defeat this horrific monster that's been killing people in a, in a crowd of audience. But the audience is still there and they defeat the monster, it goes back to hell, <laughs> and they just keep singing the song, and the audience is still there going crazy. because The I show love, must go on. I love that. Like, we've defeated the monster, and then without missing a beat, we're just going to keep performing. It, I it love the song. The, I, that song has been stuck in my head all oh, day. Dang, that stink. It's so it's good. It's such an earworm, but it's so good. It's, it's Blondie, who... Mm-hmm. Uh, Debbie who, Harry. Debbie Harry, what's the the heart song that everyone knows that? Um, it's not a heart. No, sorry, the song "Cage in My Heart." No, wow. Ah. Well, oh, oh, heart of glass, heart, heart of, of glass. glass. Yeah, that's so, that's her fame. Most so she's famous. You've you've heard her, even if you don't know her. Yeah. I'd never heard heart. Her that's that's Barracuda. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not not heart. Debbie Harry with Blondie and. Uh, and I, I Chris, uh, or crap, what's Chris Stein, I think, is another another member of Blondie who was in that documentary. He was the one who's always holding the the, the lollipop. Yeah, like <laughs> like an animated character out of an 80s film. He's holding a lollipop. <laughs> so great, this guy. He like belches in the first scene that he appears in. <laughs> uh, writing the music for it's just amazing the kind of talent that they got to collaborate on this yeah. film yeah cheap I'm... trick how, how familiar are you with uh with cheap trick not at all not at all you um, know that one song that mommy's all right daddy's all right oh yeah yeah just, yeah, yeah. Um, okay you seem a little weird surrender and then they got another one called Dream Police, which I like. And they they don't have like the the deepest um, library, but um, they've got some pretty pretty standout hits. Uh, Stand, and I, yeah, standouts of the time yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, Lou Reed is big. You know, he's got a massive following. I think his most famous song is a Hey Babe, Take a Walk on the ro- <laughs> on the Wilds. It's a very like uh blase attitude that he has in some of his songs that is just it makes him perfect for this character mm. you know who's he's he's very full and full of himself and conceited mock but he's also like constantly acting like he's over it it's a yeah fun dynamic he seemed like evil david bowie was what they were going for absolutely they were trying to get people like david bowie or or mick jagger to a feature in the film but like they, they couldn't afford them so lou reed was available that's <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not surprised i went for Bowie. there's um, a moment at the beginning of that club scene that mylar's club right before uh, omar and angel performed for the first time um uh, their band probably does have an official name i just who cares forgot it. um cares. <laughs> yeah the, the there's like four identical Ziggy Stardusts walking off stage. Do you remember that? Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah, basically. Gosh. Yeah, uh, David Bowie. You know, lookalikes. Um, Mylar sucks, by the way. Um, <laughs> he was talking through the whole first song. I hated him. Um, 
now okay the the song that's it's been stuck in my head all day it's amazing send love through it's an amazing song however it's been melding with a million dreams from greatest showman and okay. it's, it's driving me absolutely insane because because yeah when i first heard it i felt like this the song seems very familiar and maybe that's just because it's a great song a, a million what's it a million a million dreams dreams from yeah great or i don't yeah. know if that's the actual title i think uh and when i'm lying there and then okay dreams run through that's my right head. it's the exact same chord progression just in a different key i i think that's probably what i was thinking of because i couldn't that progression seemed like something i'd heard before but i couldn't place it so i think i think you don't don't it. refresh your memory though because i don't want you to become what i've become where well, these songs are informing each other and they're melding together like a mutant well, hybrid the soundtrack, in my brain they never released a soundtrack for this a couple of the songs you can find on like spotify because the artists released them independently but like you can't find a good quality version of angel's song either the the one that plays in the beginning or at the end um which is a really big bummer uh but debbie harry did record basically the equivalent song on a solo album she did in 1989 yeah. uh, with different lyrics the song it's not the same and uh, and yeah it's not pure but um it's called it's maybe good. maybe for sure it's a good song mm -hmm. um i'm addicted to it on spotify right now uh, and i just discovered it today based on some of the research i was doing for this show but um i, I guess it, it it doesn't have a ton of plays it i think based on the stats on spotify it has less than you know a million uh plays which is unfortunate because i feel like it deserves more but is, is debbie harry still alive how yeah. many of these people are still alive yeah i i figure a lot of them i mean the movie was made 40 years ago so mm -hmm. people are probably in there they're getting up there now but i i wouldn't be surprised so saber spark who made the video about this film mm-hmm He's got over a million subscribers. The video, I think, has over a million views. The one about rock okay. and roll. Lou Reed and, died in 2013 at oh, 71. No. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I can't remember how many views the video has. But um, video, but then, so rock and roll videos have a lot, recently are a lot more popular. Uh, I think people are discovering this film now. Um, and I don't, I don't think it'll get like huge popular i don't think it'll get hugely popular in in hind not in hindsight my gosh but but you know like obviously so many things from the 80s are being called back and old dead actors are being awakened from their graves to come back and do reboots or to you know you know oh i'm popular again hi like you know i was here the avatar on netflix you know gets released on netflix and suddenly everyone's like where have i what is this and Zachary Tyler Eisen crawls out of being a nurse or whatever he is. And he's like, yeah, that's, you know, um, no, he's, I think he's a, he's a filmmaker. Okay. He, he's did, he did his like first interview in, in years uh, yeah. with a friend of his who happens to do a podcast. Okay. And he's like, so are you like super popular? He's like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to be, he got out of Hollywood because he, he didn't, he wanted to be a normal kid. Sure. Um, Voice of Aang. But anyway, so, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if it got popular enough especially since it's an 80s thing that, you know, some powers that be might release a record. Or, like you know, because, well, it's especially nice to see, like, people who don't get the recognition in their day, like, come out and receive it later and be like, wow, you know, I guess, I guess you just weren't ready for it yet. 
mm-hmm. but now you are and now here's here's the album we still have all the stuff like mm-hmm. you know it'd be a great it'd be a great soundtrack to have out there i don't know how popular this film will ever become probably yeah. not but but i could see the soundtrack it'd be nice to popular. see yeah it'd be nice to see someone come in try to clean up some of the awkward transitions um, I mean, there's the, mo- the Carnegie Hall moment. Like, I love the newsreels that they play after yeah. that scene. <laughs> the uh, survivors describe the event as evil, uh, <laughs> not cool, and whoa, bad comma man. <laughs> whoa, <laughs> way, way bad comma man. <laughs> yeah, that I couldn't believe. I, when that happened, I was so confused. I was like, wait, what? Is that the final scene? Did we? Did that just happen? Like, is it over? Yeah, um, and or, it's like unclear how significant the destruction. I'm guessing just like their generator blew and caused a blackout. Not like there were maybe some people who died, but if if the entire Carnegie Hall went up in like a you know TNT style explosion, right. like then how you know how did Angel survive? You know, right. So, so what well, the scene we're describing. So Mock's whole goal is to kidnap Angel, who has the perfect voice to summon a demon out of hell for whatever reason. And he so to do it, he's going to perform a concert at Carnegie Hall um, in New York City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's like what we're building to this concert there. But then you don't see that. You just see a newsreel talking about how Carnegie Hall was destroyed and, yeah, interviews with people. And then you find out, oh, that was a disaster. It didn't work. There wasn't enough power. So then they do the same. Then he puts on the same concert at a different location. That's the end of the film. So So it's awkward kind of waste of time but in the version i watched today on youtube there's a scene before the newsreel you of a poster of the concert i think outside yeah, the, the hall. hall and yeah which is um, really funny to me and it's starting to to burn to singe and yeah. i think you can hear like faint um concert you know the the thumping in the background and you see and angel in her um sacrifice outfit okay it so the one i watched on youtube didn't have that it just had the poster but then the one on amazon did have these intercuts of like basically a faded out version of that the ending scene yeah layered over layered over yep the semi-transparent um so yeah just different versions of this film are kind of all over the place um and i feel like the most effective way to do that scene is just show like the lead up to the concert with big crowds you know the interior they're setting up the show um but then like as it's about to start then you know there's like an explosion the place catches on fire you know people are streaming out and it's just a whole mess and that doesn't have to last very long before you get you know move on to the next part um, and then, yeah, he goes back to hometown, which is home to an entire generator all unto itself. And uh, <laughs> but it's still a large enough city to be able to host like a, a large concert. Um, but yeah, then, you know, mocks ultimately vanquished. I, I, I was I wanted to before we sign off, like the theming. Um, I, I appreciated, you know, rock and roll is often associated with like the occult and, you know, mocks this magician and he's literally trying to, um, to please the masses by doing like literal occult magic during one of his shows. 
um, just kind of as a stunt basic, basically, or he sees it kind of as a scientific breakthrough as well, being able to summon a being from an alternate dimension. Um, but like th- this, this movie doesn't endorse Mach's philosophy of like total moral relativism. And I like the way it addressed that. Uh, yeah, there's a blatant one. philosophical moment. I loved the Uncle Mikey video that freaking uh, Ted or whatever the, the dumb guy is watching. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, is this good or bad? Good or evil? <laughs> and then so he asks Mock, like, are we evil? And Mock is like, remember, evil spelled backwards is live. <laughs> and I'm like, it is. I've had that thought before, but no one said it. Um and he's like, if we're if we're doing it, it's right, basically. Or like, it's right because we're doing it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Whatever whatever you want to do, do. And it's like it's, it's total Epicureanism. Uh, oh, Epicureanism, I like that. Yeah, uh, and uh, then, but then they he does learn that he's like that what Mach is doing is evil. So he he has a moment of courage and but yeah. and tries to do the right thing. And yeah, I I thought it was it was really cool how um, rock and roll music defeated the evil self-aggrandizing occult person who was full of themselves that because the the theme you know as unlikable as omar might be or as bumbling as the whole band like the band is this it's really you don't get the sense that they belong together in any real way but angel the whole time that she's you know being manipulated and forced to do this evil thing she she well she in the first well first she's just saying you know come and be famous with me and he's like no, not without the band. Even though the band, Omar treats her like crap. She's still like, it, I don't want to sell out. I don't want to chase fame and fortune and glory without the people that I set out to do this with, without the reason b- behind it. So thematically, it is interesting that they start in hometown, hometown, you know, they're just <laughs> a hometown garage band. Yeah. They go to New York. They find it's not, it's an evil place because new york is an evil place and <laughs> just um, to abbreviate yeah <laughs> yes and then they and then they go back to where it all began to what it's all about um and that defeats um so rock and roll is a tool of of love and heart and yeah it can be i mean it's a useful tool that's ultimately what it is you and know? that's funny yeah you mentioned because he thinks it's a scientific breakthrough it's kind of confusing all throughout the movie he at first he's this like science genius but he's also this but then he's called a magician and he doesn't have scientists working on this project he has idiots helping him work on this project um and uh but it's so it basically just fuses science and magic the two words become synonymous and uh, don't mean anything um and uh, that's maybe an interesting commentary on like what music is um uh, it's not super music- well it's not super unrealistic in that like he just has these three dumb henchmen because the computer system he has is very advanced and you even see that it's tied into like some kind of organic material too that's working on his behalf mm. um, i don't know if you noticed that like there there's like this mass of like it looks like entrails almost. It might be like just a, a brain or something. That's I don't remember that. Computer. Yeah. But um, no, continue. No, just uh, how music is. Music is a matter of the heart, but it's uh, modern current music. And at the time was so technological, um, you know, with becoming electric and synthesized mm-hmm. and everything. But 
it's music is still music. I don't know if that was intentional, but well, and music was just it catapulted people to such stardom and st- such fame and fortune. And anytime you have this massive opulence, there's going to be a dark side to that. People who seek that just for the sheer power of it, and and that's where the evil comes in. Um, Very well said. So I mean, the it's not the music itself. I mean. rock music is pleasurable and so that's why that you know can be especially tied to things that are associated with darkness and evil um but uh (laughs) there's nothing on its face that's wrong with pleasure itself well no i mean all music is all music can be pleasurable. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's not just rock and roll. Have you heard a Gregorian <laughs> chant? Philip slaps. Exactly. Actually, some of it genuinely does. I mean, it moving. Yeah. I, I also, uh, my last note, I love um, Omar's pseudonym when he's confronting the butt chin police officer in New York is uh, Chief Inspector Quaalude. <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, Quaaludes, you know, the, they're the uh, <laughs> date rape drugs oh. that uh, were popular back in like Never the early heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's not a great joke, but like, I don't know. I thought it was uh, kind of crass, like it's, like some it, of the things. Yeah, it's... um, Because <laughs> Omar is, is a, yeah, he's a cheeky dude. Yeah. Well, I got to run, I think. So, okay. sounds good. Um, do you want to have anything you want to plug? Nope. No um, social media? No, uh, not at the moment. Dawson um, Elke, uh, he's, you can find him on the internet. <laughs> Google um, me, you'll find me. Yeah. All right. Um, well, thank you so much, Dawson. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, I don't, we pretty much did all we needed to do here. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again. More conversations about animation next time. Uh, so you all follow Thoughtcast, um, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Thoughtcast.com, at Thoughtcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me, Philip Elke, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. And um, have a magical day, a wonderful week. Warm hugs and happy Halloween!